Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Switch Hit podcast, recorded as part of ESPN's coverage of Mental Health Awareness Week in the UK. Life during the COVID-19 pandemic has presented challenges for us all, with multiple lockdowns impacting severely on people's well-being. And while cricket has adapted as well as any sport to the new normal, the reliance on restrictive biosecure environments to keep the game going has asked more of its players than ever before. To discuss some of the facts of bubble life and how best to stay on top of it from a mental health perspective, I'm joined today by two guests with plenty of experience in the field. Gloucestershire wicketkeeper bat James Bracey is yet to make his debut for England, though he is widely tipped as the next cab off the test rank. And he has had surely the most comprehensive international 12th man apprenticeship in the history of the game, having spent almost 20 weeks in the England bubble as a reserve squad member since last summer. Good to have you on, James. Your drinks mixing must be pretty top-notch by now. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, I mean, I've had plenty of practice. Um, <laughs> you know, I learn not just about it, but who likes what. I mean, I didn't know I'd get such a, a bad reaction when I ran an ice-cold water out to Jimmy Anderson. He's just wasn't a fan at all. So I learned quickly, but, um, you know, it's been, it's been good fun. Obviously, difficult at times, but, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. What did uh, did Jimmy want if not an ice cold glass of water? That's yeah, he likes he likes his room temperature uh, room temperature stuff. So I learnt that pretty quickly. Um, everyone's little little tweaks and preferences for sure. <laughs> this is the game <laughs> at the top level, um, and I gather that you studied um, a journalism course online during lockdown um, as well. Is that right? You, it could be you hosting this podcast in a few years' time. Yeah, nothing nothing too official, but you know, some just online sort of learn the ropes a little bit and and sort of martin at, at the pca our, our pdm helped me get in contact with some some good people as well so um they would have been right sort of right a little bit while i was away in between sort of training and that sort of thing but um yeah i've, I've really enjoyed it it's certainly something i'd look to pursue in the future lovely well there's always room for uh former players in the ranks of the media as i'm sure you know um also joining us is Ian Thomas, the Director of Member Services at the Professional Cricketers Association. Uh, Ian played for Glamorgan. Uh, he's worked for the PCA for 15 years uh, and oversees the organisation's player support programmes, which includes personal development, uh, welfare and mental health provision. He's also Director of the Professional Cricketers Trust, which is the PCA's charitable arm. Thanks for taking part, Ian. Hope you're well. Um, it's doubtless been a, a tough year or so but we're we're looking forward hopefully to a more normal summer of cricket now yeah thanks for having me alan i mean you look back on the last year and you know i am still stuck in this room <laughs> over a year <laughs> on working um uh, it was nice to get over to to bristol and watch james about two weeks ago against leicester um but we're just pleased that the players are back playing i think uh, a lot of credit to the counties a lot of credit to the ecb um, to get the season off and running on, on time. Um, things are moving quickly by the day. Uh, I, I understand a lot of crowds and test crowds at the grounds are coming back, which again is another boost for the players. But uh, it, it's definitely been a year I'd never want to experience again. <laughs> yes, um, that's seconded, uh, thirded, I'm sure. Um, it will be a year to, that we will talk about plenty, um, I, I imagine, as um, time passes. Fingers crossed, of course, that the, the curves continue to stay flat here in the UK. Um, as Ian mentions, the government has confirmed that fans will return uh, to sporting events from next week. So that's a, another welcome step forward. But James, the um, the idea of bubble existence is something we've... Uh, 
all had to get used to, be it for sort of work, childcare, looking after uh, the vulnerable. But it's been a particular feature of cricket's response to COVID-19 and your experiences with England uh, today. Um, I mean, had you much of a concept of what a, a biosecure environment would look like when you joined up with the squad last summer? No, I don't think I even took it into account. You know, we had we had meetings prior to going in. We had um, plenty of, of PowerPoints to scroll through and um, medical advice to look at and conversations with doctors and other medical staff. But I think because I was so excited to be involved with an England squad, I didn't really pro- process sort of how serious and how um, how different it would be to normal. Um, and I think having then spent time with people who have obviously spent a lot of time in, in international cricket prior to this last year, I sort of got a feel of how different it is. Um, and yeah, it was, it was certainly challenging, but I think, you know, the effect that it's had on the game from a positive standpoint, you know, being able to play international cricket so soon after, after the pandemic began, um, was brilliant. And then obviously to transfer that into county cricket, get stuff done last summer with the blast and some Bob Willis cricket, as well as a full season this season is, um, is testament to sort of the hard work that was put in, in those early stages. Yeah, that's right. You were, um, you were involved in the, the return of, yeah, of cricket in England with a test series against West Indies in Pakistan. And then you subsequently toured Sri Lanka and India I mean, um, how how has that whole experience been uh, for you personally? Obviously, close close to the, the test team, close to a, an international camp, which is what you work for. But um, but having to live in a very restrictive way, um, and having to come up with with coping strategies, uh, I suppose. Yeah, I think last summer it was sort of all such a whirlwind, and like I was just enjoying being around so much that I don't think it really hit me that hard. Um, you know, I think despite not playing and sort of having that quite almost tedious at times cycle of just training hotel and just really wanting to be out there. I think other than that, I sort of, I think I coped pretty well. I was still sort of getting to grips with the novelty of, of being in and around international cricket. Um, I think this winter was, was slightly different. Obviously one, you have the factor of being away from home uh, two, being in, in countries that I'd not, not been in before and not being able to see what they offer you know that's one of the great things about being able to travel with work is especially in the likes of Sri Lanka where you can literally see such beautiful surroundings outside your hotel room you can't go and see them it's a bit that is tough um and I think just that sustained period of of being away again um and still sort of not getting my opportunity was um it, it can grind you down um I certainly had periods where it um it impacted me and I, it sort of hit me harder than others. Um, but, you know, I, I sort of spoke to other guys and learned that, that that's not a bad thing. I think everyone was in the same position. So it certainly makes you a little, little bit more comfortable with it. Yeah, I think you, you wrote about the, um, we mentioned your journalism, but the, the, the um, a piece about the, the strangeness of kind of visiting Gaul and, and only seeing it on, on TV screens and, and, and then and being um, intimately acquainted with every detail of your hotel room. Are you normally someone that would be out there exploring a new place like that? For sure. I mean, I'm, I'm quite sociable, so I like being around other people. You know, we found ourselves just playing cards all the time or just, you know, just enjoying each other's company where and, where and when we could. But for sure, I like to get out and about, um, go back to sort of the Lions tour just prior to the pandemic starting. And that was sort of the best six weeks ever. You could, you're obviously in Australia, you can go out and do 
and go where where you want and see all these beautiful things um so yeah yeah definitely that would be the ideal i don't really like being cooped up in the hotel room i'm not a big gamer i'm not a big you know i don't really like to just be on my own to be honest so um that was definitely a different a different dynamic which um i had to get used to yeah ian um obviously for cricket it's been great that the game has been able to continue um and, and you know get get the show back on the road really uh, with with the pandemic still um you know causing uh, immense uh, suffering in in parts of the world and um but we've seen throughout this sort of cycle players having to take take time off talk of, of bubble fatigue um you know be it be it players missing series or uh, or being rested or or like Kate Cross talking about her time uh, in in the bubble up in Derby for with England women at the end of last summer. Um, is this is this something increasingly that in your role you've kind of seen uh, people wanting to talk about, or that you've been having to offer more support in that area? I, I mean, I think what you've got to understand is in you know in these squads there are so many individuals with so many different circumstances, you know. There's players that, as James was talking, I was thinking about that have got families, children, you know, the pressures back home of them being in lockdown, you know, that that creates different dynamics on different players. I think the way England handled their bubbles, you know, with with support around them, there was opportunity for people to opt out, Um, you know, you know, they've done all they can to, to give people the opportunity to to want to be there or if things are difficult and there was players who took some time out at the end of last season um you know that they've managed it really well I think for for individuals I know that there's been some frustrations from spectators around changes of teams and so on but I I don't think people should underestimate the commitment you know James 20 weeks in a bubble in his early in his international sort of development and career you know if you'd said that two years ago, people would have just laughed. But you can't underestimate that dynamic and the pressure of of not only playing at the very top on TV, being scrutinised as normal, but, you know, having to, you know, stick to stringent rules and get no respite or whatever release, like James has talked about, going and exploring. Um, It's a real challenge and that's a challenge for every individual in a different way. Yeah, I mean, you sort of mentioned playing on TV. The game has also almost existed for TV um, uh, over this this last sort of twelve months um, because of the uh, absence of crowds and so on. Um, cricket, as a sport, has sort of had this has had a culture of touring um, and players spending long periods of time away from home and in hotels and that sort of thing. But this is this has been a, a sort of a whole uh, level up, hasn't it, in terms of what you can and can't do, and how important has it been to to that there are resources there to support them and and the ECB has sort of taken that on board and worked with you know you guys at the PCA uh, I think there's going to be the appointment of a dedicated player welfare support um taking all that into account to 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 look after the players in in these these challenging times yeah look uh, from our point of view it was a really interesting period in that when we were about this time last year when it was all relatively fresh it was quite calm it was quite and, and a lot of other sp- sp- Sports reported that their mental health services had gone quite quiet, um, and and you know I guess that was people were just into life in lockdown, and then all of a sudden things picked up. I mean you know we had uh, eighty five cases in total last year in in sorry in um, 
94 cases, sorry, last year, and we had 85 cases in 2019. And, you know, that was a record year for us last year, but it was very much at the back end where we had players who, who were um, obviously, you know, struggling, coming through. It was There was a lot up in the air with pay cuts. There was futures on the line. Um, a lot of past members who were losing their jobs in, in the normal job market uh, as a result of the pandemic. So it, it was almost a calm before a, a storm situation for us and, and for some other sports as well. And, um, go, you know, going back to what you said, you know, we're very proud that we had the provision in place to, to be responsive to those members and, and uh, you know, former players, current players who needed immediate support because, the stress on the NHS meant that a lot of other services were shut down and there's obviously a backlog and delays now. So it is it has never been more crucial that, you know, our charity, which funds our mental health support, uh, has been equipped uh, to provide that. And um, we're quite proud that we, you know, we were resilient and we stood up to the test. Yeah, I mean, you talk about those those numbers of people, uh, uh, you know, coming forward and, and asking for help. And I suppose in a way that the increase there reflects um, perhaps a greater openness and um, people's willingness to come forward and, and you know, talk about their problems. Um, I mean, James, what's your experience been um, in dressing rooms over uh, over the last year, your time, time with England, but also, you know, you've played... Um, with uh you've been at Gloucestershire Gloucestershire for a few years now and um there's there's a particularly sort of open culture there I think it, of talking about problems you've had uh teammates like like Tom Smith who uh, suffering a bereavement um with his wife um Benny Howell talking about his sort of ADHD that sort of thing um what's yeah what's your kind of um experience and, and view of players being able to talk openly about these um these issues yeah I think it's quite special what we have in terms of an openness and a, a trust in each other that we can share those sort of situations. Um, I think sort of started obviously with, like you said, Tom and, and Gareth Roderick, who, who suffered obviously severe losses, Ian Harvey as well, all in a sort of small period of time. I think testament to how Dorse, Richard Dawson managed that situation. Um, I think he, he was the one who sort of, was very vocal about that sort of open, honest and sort of supportive network we sort of created as a group, um, which has then carried on and, and made people, you know, even in not, not in those sort of obviously terrible situations, but the likes of Benny and, and people who have other issues and other things that they, they need support with to come out and not just, not just sit on them. Um, I think not just in public, but, in our dressing room, people are very open about, about mental health and about their feelings of whether it's anxiety or something like that, you know, um, it's, it's very healthy. What, what our dressing room sort of allows. Um, and I, I started to see that while I was away as well with England, you know, um, they've put psychological help in place. They've got, um, people like Mark Saxby who, who help out with player welfare and that sort of thing. So I think they've sort of, made it very easy for people to to feel comfortable in that situation um, and I think that's therefore developed into a a position where you can speak to other players as well um, I certainly when I had troubles while I was away I felt comfortable going to people you know um, I, I got help from from Jack Leach Don Best has been very 
open in the media about how he's felt at, at times in his career. And I think part of that for him now comes with, he feels a responsibility to make sure no one else gets to that stage and feels like that. So it's certainly very healthy in the dressing rooms I've been in, in the last year of, of how mental health is both perceived and, and people are, are willing to help. And, and how tricky has it been sort of personally balancing um, the, the, the fact that you're kind of, you can't get away from the game when you're, say, when you're on, uh, on, on tour in a bubble or even in the you know, last summer. Um, and if you, it's great, obviously, that you can talk to teammates, um, but you can't see family and friends so easily. Uh, those things have to be done sort of over the phone or, or, or over the internet. And it, it, you, you, you can't easily um, find um, outlets, I suppose, um, from, from the game. Yeah, it is difficult, um, you know, and taking into account, like you mentioned earlier, you know, my my family, my girlfriend were all in, in lockdown here. So it was just as difficult for them as it was, if not more difficult than it probably was was for me. So um, it's managing that, you know, being able to to help them as much as they can and help you in a limited capacity is, is difficult. Um, I think everyone found that strange, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I was able to, to get through that. You know, you, you rely on other people a lot more than you would usually. Um, and I think everyone was aware of that and was able to, to um, come out of that in, in a decent headspace. I think, um, I think they sort of managed it very, very well. I mean, Ian, I think there's a there's an idea out there that, that um, prevention is better than cure in in this sort of area, um, and the Mental Health Foundation talks about that. And um, if you can sort of be open and, and approach a problem before it um, develops, then then that is um, better than having to have a an intervention. But what sort of um, steps? Do you advise players to take what sort of support is there in terms of the um, the PCA? I think have development um, officers that can that, that can be lent upon. Look, we've, we you know we're fortunate from our funding that we we've got a network of PDMs who are in touch with the players weekly. Um, a little bit more difficult with the England players, but again they've got Mark Saxaby and, and and other support around them, and we do stay in contact with them. But. <coughs> The PDMs are crucial, you know, being at the grounds every every week as somebody independent that they can talk to, um, you know, and even last year, the, the strategies that they put in place to communicate with the players to help them through lockdown, a number of people engaged in webinars and courses just to keep their minds active and so on. But I, I think, you know, there's various initiatives, no doubt we're going to cover some more in, in this podcast, but you know, as a game, there's four of us on this call. One of us here has either had mental health issues or one of us is really struggling with mental health issues. And I think cricket's no different. Yes, it presents a lot of challenges, particularly the bubble of recent times, but cricket and its ups and downs and its pressure of job security, um, its scrutiny. I mean, the online abuse that's growing is just an added dynamic to it. But it's inevitable we're going to have it and I think you know we are developing a really good culture through people who've spoke out I mean a lot of credit has to go to Marcus Triscothic I know I'll always keep saying his name because that was the catalyst that was the catalyst back then 2005 four, five, when he when he bravely spoke out why he couldn't travel and go abroad and you know others then were like oh well I actually feel the same and the comfort of Don Best talking last year on a podcast with him 
you know, that says a lot about what, what he did. He led the way and, you know, we've had Graham Fowler talk since and various other um, members of the PCA that have encouraged people for this culture. Um, and again, we need to back that up with interventions, with workshops. We've got a mental health app. We've got Sporting Chance that provide the treatment. We need to keep putting it at the forefront because it's not going away and it's getting even more, you know, complex, particularly, as I mentioned, around social media now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, a, an interesting area. Um, James, I think you've written about, about that element as well, kind of um, uh, the, the dynamic of players being contactable uh, online all the time. Um, and I suppose that only exacerbates uh, some of the, um, the difficult aspects of, of bubble life. If, if you, uh, you know, it's difficult to get away from the game anyway. And then if you turn on your phone, you, you get um, all sorts of messages on there as well. Yeah, I think, and the thing is, the large majority of, of cricketers at the moment, we are quite active on social media. So you can tell yourself as much as you want. I'm not going to read anything. I'm not going to, I'm going to stay clear. It, it, it's not that simple because, you know, as much as I not want to say I go out and get a pair next week, I don't want to listen to people slagging me off, but I also want to use social media for reasons other than cricket. You know, I use it to stay in contact with people from university, stay in contact with my family and that sort of thing. And you're not going to, I don't want to give up those sides of it purely because I might be getting some abuse about, about my batting. Um, you know, I've spoken to people while I was away about it. It's, I think it's really healthy and just obviously a very rare example is that Crawley doesn't have any of it at all. Um, he sort of gives good reasons for why he doesn't. And it's, it's quite refreshing that a 22, 23 year old lad is, is of that, that mindset um you know there's others who i was speaking to who delete it while their series going on so they're not tempted to or there's people who sort of mute notifications and stuff like that there's different ways of going about it um i, I still think i'll be one that's that's quite active on it but i've i've got to be aware that i've almost got to develop a little bit of a thick skin for when those times do come around where i'm faced with those sort of challenges you know it, it will be tough and as Ian said, it's, it's sadly getting worse and worse. But, um, you know, hopefully some of the work that's being done at the moment um, can start to, you know, um, stem the flow of, of abuse on online for sure. Yeah, so I'm sure we could do a whole a whole other pod on that subject alone. Um, uh, Ian, one of, the, one of the big talking points kind of for, from England over the winter um, was around sort of rest and rotation and you know, giving players a break from uh, being you know, bubble life, being kind of constantly um, uh, with the team on tour under scrutiny. Um, I mean, there, there there were critics of that um, system as well, uh, and it's and it's quite a change in some ways from the the way cricket used to be run. We've seen kind of um, even the nature of selection um, with expanded squads and so on. Um, that 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 has perhaps fed into to the changes in the way um, the England team will be run from, from this summer. Um, but does the ECB deserve sort of praise for, for prioritising uh, player welfare there and making sure that um, they're listening to, to players you know, if they need a break rather than being you know, the old-fashioned way as you're just going to stay out there and deal with it? I think so in this modern times, you know, that the actual commitment all, all around the calendar year with cricket now is 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 not what it used to be 20 years time and 
uh, 20 years ago sorry so i think i think they have to manage that they 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 have no choice and and to get ahead of of issues that could mean they lose a player for a long period of time and you go back to, to Marcus's situation maybe if they'd known about that they might have been able to prolong Marcus's career and things like that so they're more aware now of of this as uh, like they are with a back uh, workload uh, for stress fractures they have to be aware of of the of this workload and the whole dynamic of bubbles and as, as James has said his experience of 20 weeks in a bu- bubble is something they've got to bear in mind so um, I did read obviously a lot of the criticism and the changes to teams but from our point of view putting welfare and, and player care at the forefront of their agenda has to be commended yeah and James is that something you know you're quite near the start of your career relatively speaking but that you you're kind of going in um with I suppose eyes open on that front and, and aware that um looking after yourself in every aspect is going to be important having a long and fulfilling career not just just training and kind of staying fit but um the mental side of the game yeah, I think in order to perform your best, all aspects have to be at the top of their game. You know, you you need to be obviously physically in shape. Your technique needs to be good. You need to be um, aware of of the challenges of it. But you've also got to be clear. You know, you can't can't go out there and score hundred, take a five for if if your mind's elsewhere. You know, and it's that can be whether that's focused on stuff at home, focused on you know being in a bubble and, and not wanting to be there, you know, it's, it's quite easy to, to feel that way. Um, and if, if not, if all aspects aren't aligned and, and working together, then you know, the mental side of the game is, is just as important as any other, um, if not more important at the moment. So yeah, it's, it's definitely opened my eyes to, to almost working on that a lot more. Um, I've spoken to Chris Dent a lot about it and our, our captain at Gloucester and he's been vocal about it in the last couple of weeks, I think with the cricketer and he's sort of so big on obviously his, his technical training, but also his, the training of his, of his mind and, and the psychological side of the game as well. Um, making sure he's in a good headspace, making sure all those aspects are all aligned. Um, so it's definitely opened my eyes to the amount of work you can do sort of outside of those those um sort of assumed areas of of being a cricketer mm. and i mean as you sort of touched upon cricket is such a such a mental game that it, you know you've, you've got to be um looking after that side of things yeah you know absolutely and and you know you've got the the, the sports psychs at every club now from county level i mean that starts at academy level now with the mind skills um it, it it is a cruel game um it's a fantastic game and really rewarding now to be you know at the top of your game as a as a as a professional uh but you know it comes with so many dynamics which is why i think cricket has had a history with mental health um for even from the club scene you know the the season and everyone's happy shuts down in in september and people are just lost for for months uh, in the winter, um, I speak to a lot of amateur cricket cricketers, and and you know that's a challenge for people who love the game, let alone the pros, uh, who have the added pressure of of all of the things we've discussed. So, I think the game itself, it, you know, it it it's great when it's high and you you can you can reach some real highs, but 
you know, it's a long day if, if you've had a first baller, that's for sure, to sit there with your thoughts in your mind. And then you think about the guys who, who are pros switching on their social media to see it replayed on Twitter or on the club's own website. Um, and then a few comments added to it. It's, it's, t- it's tough and it's tougher than it's ever been. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the 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 the, the pandemic has made you know life um, difficult for everyone. But um, this is this is an ongoing conversation. It's important, kind of, uh, um, that we uh, address these issues. We have, you know, as you say, that there are um, seminars, initiatives, and uh, be it or write writing about it, um, podcasting. I mean, the one of the, I suppose of the big challenges of the last year for you, particularly, has been. Um, the, the hit to funding and so on and, and the difficulty um due to the pandemic in, in actually getting out there so i mean the, the, that must be um that's a hole i guess you're still working to fill yeah look look our, our charity ultimately funds a lot of our initiatives um you know we we do get funded by the governing body as a, as as a trade union and we we put a lot of provisions in for the players but a lot a lot of our proactive uh, mental health initiatives are ultimately funded by by our charity as well as looking after hardship cases and and medical cases and um last year was catastrophic in a way because we looked to raise about 250k a year and we comfortably spend more than that um in the last 2 3 years and and we only raised 90k last year so luckily we we we've we've sort of ridden the storm of losing funding for our charity um but but we're desperate to try and you know make up uh, funds this year again hopefully there's events that allow us to do that um you know you probably saw the alan eagleston initiative the 5k for may this week and um it just shows you where where our funding goes um it's it's to try and support current and, and past players make the best of their lives and um when you lose your ability like many charities did in the pandemic alan it, it, you know it can be soul destroying because people rely on you so uh fingers crossed we'll we'll have a better year than last year and we'll be able to come out of this at the end yeah fingers crossed indeed and, and hopefully you know as we touch on things are getting a, a bit more back to normal and and people listening in and and you know following the game closely will know about that great work and and want to keep supporting it um James, you mentioned not being a not being a gamer. I presume that means you weren't on the sort of the Call of Duty roster out in the in in the subcontinent. No, I can't say um, I did. I mean, I I dabble a little bit of FIFA, but sort of in my own in my own space. I don't take that too public, like some of the lads. I mean, I could hear them after time, but certainly didn't join in. I mean, rooming next to Joffre is just extraordinary. <laughs> you just hear every single every single thing that's going on and. Um, yeah, I was, it was quite surprising, you know, you obviously, you sort of assume it's going to be a, a young lad's trend and it's going to be, you know, your, uh, your, your best, your Sakibs, your, th- those guys who are sort of on it. But I think it's actually, you found the ones playing cards and Monopoly were me and Mason Crane and Parkinson and Crawley and all the guys who you'd expect to be gaming. And then it was Anderson, Broad, Wokes, Root and all these guys who were all off playing Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> but no, it's good fun. It's good fun the the banter they have around it as well, and um, they're certainly um, they certainly take it very seriously. <laughs> um, it's, it's good to hear that that Monopoly is still still has a place <laughs> for that on tour. What, uh, what other what other sort of um, methods do you fall back on personally? Are you are you a sort of 
barista in training? Uh, do you take a, a Kindle library out with you? Uh, I've, I've only sort of taken up my um, bit of interesting coffee since I've come home, really. Um, not whilst I was away. Um, yeah, I read a bit. Obviously, try to take some time out to write as well. Um, I use Mark Saxby a lot. I've spoken to, um, to people from the Press Association and people I know from back at Gloucestershire as well to try and sort of learn the ropes of that a little bit while I was away. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, mainly just trying to almost get to know people. I think not many people have that chance to um, sort of embed yourself in, in that group before you then go on to play. Um, and I think I was really lucky to have that opportunity. So yeah, it was definitely a, a, a good time to, to get to know people, spend time with people and really um, sort of dive into that, to that setup. Yeah, and uh, that, uh, that that's given you a you know a real a real taste of kind of what the environment will be like, I suppose. And um, I mean, we should we should talk about the cricket as cricket. The season has started, and it uh, you know the sun is out, or at least I mean, my curtains are drawn here, but it looks like the sun's out. Um, and uh, I mean, you've you've um, started on fire, uh, James. I mean, Gloucester are top of Group Two. Uh, you're, I think, the ninth on the run scorers list um already uh, i mean it must be after a, all that time in bubbles and netting and uh, you know training it must be nice to just be sort of playing the game again yeah i was really excited when i saw that there was a long stretch of county championship cricket sort of at the start of the year i think i've waited like close to 18 months now to to properly play some games and, and get into my stride so i was really excited for that and i think it's gone obviously as well as we could have hoped, if not obviously a lot better than we'd hoped as a team. I think none of us expected to be four from five unbeaten, you know, beaten sides like Somerset, Surrey, um, and sort of showing everyone what we can do. You know, we know we've got we've we've got the players and we've got the potential, but then to put that into action, um, especially in four day cricket, is is really difficult because you've got to perform really well for really long periods. Um, you know, you can't just rely on one or two guys having a day out and it winning you a game I think you've got to stick together and uh you know work hard for weeks on end so you know we're really glad with where we're at I think in our dressing room cricket's the best game in the world you know as Ian said it can be the best game it can it can be the worst game at times as well but I think we're we're really trying to prioritize you know enjoying it as much as we can at the moment because we know that you know there's going to be times where it's going to be a lot more difficult and it's going to be a bit of a struggle so um we're really trying our best to to enjoy the success we've had the last five weeks and um sort of aside from that that team success um with Gloucester uh, hopes hopes for an England debut um the the test um summer is is only a few weeks away now and you you're obviously been in been in those squads over the winter um you, you'll have had those conversations with um people like Chris Silverwood and um and Ashley Giles potentially what what are you expecting from uh, the next few weeks or hoping for uh, potentially in terms of uh, a call up to face New Zealand? Yeah, I don't know what to expect really. I mean, obviously it's getting close, so um, I'm sure we'll all find out what's going on soon enough. But I mean, hoping obviously that the start of the season that I've had has has sort of given me a little bit of extra credit in the bank. You know, I might be slowly shifting myself closer to um, to a cap. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of competition. Lots of runs have been scored in the first five rounds. So there's plenty of batsmen in good form. Um, and there's lots of players who have played test cricket over the last year and, and, and played well. So, you know, I'm, not, I'm trying not to um, 
to think about it too much. But obviously, yeah, I'm really happy with the start I've had, and hopefully that will um, stand me in in good stead. And as you said, you you sort of know the players, you know the, know the setup, so perhaps a bit less daunting um, on that front, and potentially after all this time in uh, in bubbles, um, if you'd to debut uh, Lords or Edgbaston, it might be in front of a crowd. Yeah, which is incredible considering the first sort of taste I had in a in a test environment was um, West Indies at the GS, and it just we were all just like it just seems so soulless around there, and I think my my first taste of test cricket hasn't been a true taste of, of how brilliant test cricket can be. Um, obviously we've had some brilliant games on the field, but what the crowd added when we went to India was, um, was pretty special. And to have that at home would be, um, would be really good. Obviously to play in front of a crowd, let alone play test cricket would be, um, would be brilliant. Yeah, Ian, you, you said that you've managed to get down to, to Bristol uh, recently. And, and I mean, I guess that's something that all the, the players will be um, looking forward to, uh, almost from the mental health perspective as well, of kind of having people there to watch and, and having that, that um, you know, the response of, of a crowd uh, when you're out there. Oh, de- definitely. I mean, it's, it's, there's multiple stakeholders in the game and the crowd are a huge part of that. And, and, you can't underestimate as James has just talked about the influence that can have on on you to perform the adrenaline the atmosphere the memory the experience I think um you know even second team crickets playing behind real closed bubbles now you know they're not even allowed anyone in first team cricket has 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 got away this year and um you know that's been great from a spectator point of view if you know how to stream and watch watch the streams you know we're all enjoying that um but there's something missing isn't it you know that you feel like something's missing and it's ultimately the crowd and I think when that returns not only is that great for the game but great for the players but it's also a sign of a bit of normality for us all in life so uh, these these test crowds over the next couple of weeks is just so welcome. Um, and and just I suppose um, a couple of final thoughts but the 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 England um, set up I mean I think Ashley Giles has spoken about there being still some levels of, of of bubbling this summer, and and um, but hopefully not as restrictive um, as last year. What do you? What's your sort of understanding on on the latest on on, on that situation? Yeah, look, I, again, this is a moving target every day with the government making different changes. I think you know the ECB, um, as they have done with the county game, will will run things as 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 protective as possible in order to maintain the safety of the players and also um, to ensure that the game continues with no breakouts. And uh, I, I think, you know, that yes, they'll, they'll be led by the government, but a, a cautious approach is understandable for a, a bubble environment, particularly within, you know, the international environment as well. And sort of as as you've mentioned that this is, this is an ongoing process and, and there, it might be, that people will still be requiring help, uh, you know, down the line for for various reasons. So this is the importance of this being a, a conversation that we can keep having, um, you know, is, is not lost. Yeah, look, from our point of view with the mental health, we, you know, we appreciate the opportunity to talk about these things, even coming on here to make people aware or our members aware of, of the support already this year. You know, I don't mind disclosing, we've got 59 cases ongoing. That was up to the end of March. Um as I said, I think we're ahead. We're in for another record year, 
uh, on the, the support that we'll need to provide. And, um, you know, that won't change. We've got a couple of really exciting projects. One I'm really excited about, and that's a mental health and social media education project because uh, as I've ranted on this podcast, I feel really passionate about this area of mental health and, and social media. And um, you've probably heard today that the online harms bill being talked about in, in the news. And this is this is a big area for us at the PCA because I think I personally feel it's one of the big areas contributing to the downfall and increase in mental health. And uh, some of the examples I recently seen uh, to our members uh, in, in online abuse where we provided that to the, the DCMS is it, horrifying. And uh, you wouldn't expect it, um, you know, to your face. So why should you expect it, you know, to be written to you? And uh, yeah, I've gone on a bit of a rant there, Alan, but as you can tell, we're going to do our best to eliminate anything that, that causes harm to our members and players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's there's never been a better time probably to to encourage people to to be kind to one another and and to look after one another in you know in personal and online spaces um, uh, and all of that. Um, uh, well, James, um, good luck with um, the rest of the summer um, and uh, uh, and and hopefully lots of positive social media feedback uh, over the over the coming weeks. Yeah, that would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it'll all be good um and and many thanks to you to you both uh for coming on it, it's been um great to keep the conversation going anyone looking for further information can visit www.mentalhealth.org.uk and www.thepca.co.uk forward slash trust and we'll be running uh, a number of inspiring stories throughout the week on www.espn.co.uk Thanks all for listening to the Switch It podcast. We will be back for more soon.